right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Well, well, well. Um, one of the greatest sports weekends that we had coming into the show last Monday and now one of the worst. Um, that was no fun over the weekend that was KU getting blown out by Kentucky, Chiefs blowing the game to the Cincinnati Bengals. And, you know, if if the Chiefs didn't blow that game, I, I think most people would have been like, you know, it sucked, you lost by this much to Kentucky, but at least that happened for me, right? It would have been easier to swallow than, than what happened. Well, remember last I mean, Monday, It's too. a lot easier to sit here and say... Had the Chiefs did you know if the Chiefs won yesterday, it's it's a lot easier for for us to sit here and talk about KU going well, you know it's a non-con, six weeks left in the season, it, it sucks, but it's it's not a big deal. Yeah. But it hurts so much more now. Yes, it does. And you know, last Monday, we we had the Texas Tech game immediately after the the crazy weekend, and we were like, you know what? Couldn't they move this? Like, could this be on a Tuesday or Wednesday so we have more time to soak this in? And now this this week, it's like, no. Can we move the Iowa State game up? Can we get it today? Because I, I need like something. Now? To, yeah, I, I need something to to get a new taste in my mouth. That was uh, hopefully that continue. You know that hopefully that does get us a better taste in your mouth. Yeah, right. There's a chance. That, yeah, there's actually a real chance. You're on the road in Ames, which is a very tough place to play against a good team, top twenty five team. That that actually makes us feel worse. So hopefully that doesn't happen. The good news is I think Bill Self is like it's like a hundred and something and fifteen coming off a loss, but. It has happened 15 times. Uh, let's start with the KU-Kentucky game. I'm ready to say I don't believe this is a Final Four team. And I should clarify this. When I when I say that, that's not me saying I could never in a million years see this team in the Final Four. I don't mean that. We got to a point in the 2017-18 season, and, and this is where I'm going with this because this was a Final Four team, where that team, it looked like the defense wasn't going to be there and we kind of thought, you know, it's it's going to be really tough for this team to make a Final Four. And I think we what we did is we adjusted the expectations and we said, maybe this is a Sweet 16 team and you hope they can get hot and make the Final Four. And they did get hot. Malik Newman uh, caught fire and, and the team went on an amazing run. And it honestly almost made it even better because we, we, we didn't necessarily expect them to, right? Even though they were one season. I, I agree. I, that's what I was going to say. I think a huge thing is, that, yes, Malik Newman caught fire. And, and that team doesn't go to the Final Four without it. But before Malik, Malik Newman even caught fire, they played themselves into mm-hmm. a one seed. Now, you could say, well, they played himself into the position to get the one seed at the end of the regular season because Malik Newman catching fire kind of started that year in the Big 12 tournament. And so that may have boosted them. Winning the Big 12 tournament may have boosted them from a two seed into the the one seed, number three overall seed that they were. And I'll, I'll tell a, a story that Derek and I kind of can laugh about now. Um, Derek was very upset after the after KU got trucked by Baylor. Um, 
that put in, them at 19 and six overall, eight and four in conference, and, play. and fresh off a, a drubbing, a sixteen yeah. point loss, and in you Waco. had lost three of the last six. And Derek, understandably, was very upset, and I uh, kind of sarcastically was trying to walk him back off the ledge, and Derek was not too happy with my sarcasm. Nonetheless, we got past it. But the point is, um, I, it's funny he brings that season up because I feel the same way now as about this team as I did on Friday, which is I think, and, and to be clear, as as Derek said, it's not like he, you know he's sitting here going, changed, "Oh God, this right. team's not even going to make a tournament." It's not like he's going to be mm-hmm. shocked if they make a Final Four. But I do, I I just kind of look at this team as they're a one or a two seed that with the right matchups wind up in a final four. And and I, I I and I don't think that's too far off from what Derek views them as. Mm-hmm. I think the only difference is I view them exactly the same day same today as I did on Friday. Yeah, that that's fair. I, I think um maybe the better way of me phrasing this isn't saying I'm I'm ready to say I don't believe this is a final four team. Uh, because like I said, things change, things can happen and obviously weird stuff happens in a single game elimination tournament. Um the better way for me to phrase it is I think we should adjust the expectations because maybe, again, for you, this this wasn't the case. But at least at the very beginning of the year, I'm sure for a lot of fans, when you this past offseason, after getting the drubbing against USC and mm-hmm. you hear the comments um, from Bill Self about, hey, we need to get so much more athletic and, and we need to do all these things and become more dynamic. And you bring back all these players, you bring back four or five starters, and you add two guys at the guard position that should add to the athleticism and dynamism in Joe Yesifu and Remy Martin. And you add some, uh, you know, uh, what are supposed to be some good young players coming out of high school. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's not really much different than it was last year. Like, like yeah. the style of play and, and how they're getting it done. Last year was defense, this year's offense. Like, clearly those things are far apart. But just in terms of the results... This team just hasn't been this juggernaut, this team that we've seen under Bill Self in past years, whatever you want to call it, like 2017, 2016, 2011, of teams that are just, you can tell, they are so, so much better than some of these opponents. That's not as much the case with this team. And so I I wonder if maybe we should just adjust the expectations from instead of this being a team where, you know, hopefully they can make a Final Four. And we don't know what's going to happen with the upcoming NCAA and the IARP stuff, and, and maybe that plays into it. But maybe the expectation should just be, can this team make it out of the first weekend? And, and I mean, I, I know that doesn't get a banner hung up or anything, and I know that's not what the goal is uh, each and every year for KU basketball. They haven't made it out of the second weekend since 2018. Part yeah. of that's because there was no NCAA tournament, but, like, the last two I, I, tournaments. Well, the last time they I guess went, I'm just adjusting what I what I think of this team, and that's fair. You know, I don't think this team reminds me of this team very much, but another team that because the 2011 2012 team, which made it all the way to the national title team game, that team had a national player of the year candidate at, at, a, at a much different position than 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 um, than this team. But similarly, that team never, with the exception of uh, a, a an eighteen point win against Baylor at home. That team never really had games where you're like, "Oh my god!" That team kind of beat every team they were uh, supposed to beat, but they never lost to anybody they were supposed to lose, to, or they they weren't supposed to lose to. Like they never had this. Or they, they now they lost it in Sprint Center to Davidson, but, but by by the time conference play started. 
They never had a loss that you look at the team they lost to and go, are you kidding me? Their two losses in conference play were um, at Iowa State, who was a tournament team that year. They weren't ranked, but they were a tournament team. And, um, and at Missouri, who was a top-five team that year. And so it is kind of this team, at with the exception of like West Virginia, at no point are you seeing this team going, wow, they just look, every, every note is hitting, they just look perfect. Um, but yet you back up and you go, they're 17 and three. Mm -hmm. And I mean, so it is kind of, um, they're 17 and three with a lot of really good wins. Well, and you know how silly we're going to, or at least I am having this conversation if they like win at Iowa state and then beat Baylor this week. Yeah. 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 And, and that's, you know, they, and that could very well happen. They could also lose both of those games. So it it is, um, it's the 2018 thing is, is, is an apt comparison because though I think the Baylor getting blown out of Baylor was a little later. I think that was on like the 11th or the 12th of February. But still, you had a late-ish blowout at home. Now, I, I texted you on Saturday after the loss and said, well, they lost to another great team in 2003, the last Saturday in January. That was the Arizona, and they got steamrolled. They are actually up like 16 at half and wound up losing by 18 or 19. So they got steamrolled really in one half. Um, also the Wildcats. And there was a team yeah. called the Wildcats, and the Final Four was in New Orleans, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that team, I mean, that team had two lottery picks on it. Right. So, I, you know, that's that was a better team than this. And that was also a different time when everybody stayed three or four years. Um, but anyway, or most everybody. But, I, you know, I never thought about the 2012 comparison before because it's, it was such a different team because that team didn't rely nearly as much on offense because they couldn't score as easily. <laughs> Um, but they did have kind of a go-to guy in their in their um, in their uh, what you call it in their lineup lineup. Thank you, Rob, national yeah. player of the year candidate at a different position though than they have this year, and then they had guys that you need to step up at other at other positions, um, and obviously that's happened and the team all the way went all the way to the final four. So you know I don't know I I I, I kind of come back to well I'm yet to see this team just have. And are you kidding me? Loss. Dayton's actually. We were talking about before the game or before the show. Dayton's jumped up into what the they're seventy fifth in the yeah, net. They're, they're yeah, the top seventy five in the net now. It's a, it's a quad two loss basically, so it's like not like a bad loss anymore. So they've they've jumped up, and then the Kentucky the Kentucky loss was an are you kidding me loss in the sense of they got drubbed. Um, but I I think. And that may that may have just shown exactly what the worst possible matchup is for this team, mm -hmm. is is what we saw Saturday. Well, that's that's kind of what I was going into on Friday. The idea that you know what goes far in March is lead guard play, and Kentucky has that. So if you can go toe to toe with them, that's a really good sign. But the fact that you didn't, I don't, I don't know. It just if you run into a team with good guards, that would scare me. Um, but to your point on that 2012 team, I think that is an apt comparison in terms of. You know, there were probably times watching the 2012 team where you went, man, do we have any option besides T-Rob who can score? And sometimes you have those lulls of, of minutes with Ochag Baji in Kansas. But I think the biggest difference with that team, and then this is something Bill Self talked about at the media availability today, which we'll share for you coming up here in, in 30 minutes or so. When you're not necessarily the most athletic team or maybe you're not the most skilled team, you have to make up for it by being gritty. And that 2012 team was, was gritty. I mean, the maximum that you could yeah. have, right? So this team needs to find that edge because right now 
That's not been the case. And the closest thing they have is Christian Brown. Yeah, and, and it's it's kind of problematic when you see some of these uh, hustle balls that they're not winning. When um, you know Jalen Wilson's missing box outs, when uh, Remy Martin's missing a hustle play, and I mean, there are just it feels like there's a lot of questions right now. Like some of these other Kansas teams, at the very least, you can say, okay, we know what your role is. We know what your role is. It almost feels like they're still trying to figure that out. And all of these conversations about if this happens with Remy or if this happens with Dave or whoever, then it can happen for KU. But guess what? It's it's basically happen. the last month of the season now, right? I mean, the last month of the regular season. March is basically the postseason. February is here tomorrow. And basically being in the final month of the season, it can happen. We, we mentioned Malik Newman basically caught fire in the Big 12 tournament and the NCAA tournament, right? Yep. So it can happen. But do you want to bank on that? No, I wouldn't have banked it on then either. And and that's um I think right now KU falls in a category of teams that you wouldn't bet on making the final four, but you would also not want to love to you wouldn't love to see in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I think um like I think Auburn right now, Gonzaga, those are you need to make a final four type. They're having you need to make a final four type seasons. Kentucky is approaching that. I think Kentucky, they're under the I think Kentucky probably winds up as a one seed. So I think Kentucky's playing like a you need to have a final four type season. I think KU is in that next group down where you're like, okay, they're not gonna stun anybody if they make a final four. Um, you know, they're kind of like Michigan State in was Michigan State a two seed the year they upset Duke when they had Zion and everybody? Yes, with Cassius Winston. And they're stuff. kind. They're kind of like that. They're and and look again. They're somewhat like the 2012 team. They're a team where you're like, well, you, you look and they you can point at good wins on their resume, and you know, and this team has good re- wins on its resume. Um, but then you can also look at clear examples as to why they aren't in the clear top echelon. Um, and I think that's where this team is. I, I think I would I would categorize them as. A team that uh, they would be a tough out for a lot of teams if they run into them at the train the tournament. It's not going to shock anybody if they make a Final Four, but it's also it's not an expectation going into February. Yeah, I, so I think that's just where it is. It's this team would be more of a surprise than you know. Again, not like completely not a shocking, shock. right? Yeah, but it would be more of a mild surprise. For them to get where they are. But again, we could be eating our words, or at least me specifically, in about a week here, depending what happens. Uh, The Chiefs lost to the Bengals. Where does that Chiefs loss in the postseason, blowing the 21-3 lead, rank? Because we've seen a lot of bad Chiefs losses in the playoffs and excruciating, frustrating, however you want to view it. Where does that Chiefs playoff loss rank for you? When I was 15, uh, one of my best friends, who still is one of my best friends, had a dog. They had a family dog named Rocky. And we had just thrown a birthday party for one of our friends, and and we had red velvet cake Mm. at the party. Well, they come home the next day, and Rocky, the dog, had laid this huge red dump everywhere, all over their basement, and they were scared, terrified. Like, oh, my God, is he sick? And then they realized, oh, God, he just got into the red velvet cake. <laughs> so what I bring that up because that is no longer, Rocky the dog, no longer the worst red dump I have ever seen Lane <laughs> I was wondering before where you in my life. 
It was yesterday, and that that was um, yeah. I don't see. I mean, when you when you figure the stakes and the expectations, the 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 blowing it to Indianapolis was infuriating. But at the the big picture of that year was wow. They they went from two and fourteen yeah. to a playoff team. It would have just been hey, we finally won a playoff. Yeah, game. yeah, yeah. It would. They went from two and fourteen to a playoff playoff appearance. Obviously, not a win. So the macro of that year was like, hey, still really great. Um, blowing it in 2017 was infuriating, but they were also, that year they started 5-0 and and looked really good, but they limped to the finish line at 10-6, and and that year was like, okay, well, that's annoying, but hey, the Mahomes era begins next year. When you factor in expectations, I don't see how this isn't, um, uh, you'd have to go back to like the Colts in the 90s going 13 and 3 and lose and and you know Steve Bono throws three or four interceptions, Lynn Elliott misses three field goals. You have to go back to that. Um when you think of a team with Super Bowl potential, Super Bowl aspirations, not just at the beginning of the season but in the playoffs. Um I I'd say it has to at least coincide with or be up ranked up there with that and it's probably worse cuz you were in the AFC Championship game and that team that team the 95 team was never in the AFC title game, and they certainly never held an 18-point lead in the AFC title game. This is, I think, the worst. Yeah, the 2013 Colts one does hold a special place of devastation in my mind because I had never seen the Chiefs in my lifetime win a, win a playoff game yet, and I was uh, that was like the day before my birthday or something, and I was I was so convinced that like I was just never going to see a playoff win in my life, and that that was that was tough to wrap my head around. Um, but this, I think, is the worst. This is for sure, I think, the most most frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, the Titans and Colts one are very frustrating, especially when you have the Mariota throw to himself, the Andrew Luck off the fumble, running Although in like they had a, those felt inevitable. They had a goofy fe- a, a goofy snap to uh, Joe Burrow yesterday. That's right. That he had to. Mm-hmm. So that happened. Yeah, it, it say, wasn't as big as the Mariota, the you Andrew. Say maybe Luck. the Joe Mixon play where I, uh, yeah, I, I just want to talk about this now. I don't really care about the was it a fumble or not. Like at that point, look, yes, I think it was the wrong call, mm-hmm. but that that wasn't. Yeah, I have no, I have absolutely no beef with the officials after that game whatsoever. Right. Um, so yeah, that for me because that is despite you know like those other teams. You can even argue, like you said, when you look at the macro, there was reasons to be optimistic looking forward. And even beyond that, if you just look at that individual season, like if the Chiefs would have beat the Colts in 2013, are they making the Super Bowl? Probably no. not, right? They um, probably lose. I, I don't know where they would have gone the next week. The Patriots, New England the or Patriots had a bye. Denver, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah, those were the two buys. Yeah. So, Den- so they would have lost the next week. Yeah, exactly. With this one, it's like no, you you would have been favored in the Super Bowl yep. next week if you won that game. And this, no, this is not you having Alex Smith. This is you having what is supposed to be the best quarterback in the NFL, and you're at home. You you know what this loss feels really, really just like what? Um, not and and I'll a game. So this was before you were a KU fan, but it's, it's the VCU VCU game. Yes, I actually saw a, a um, giant, a, a huge chance. To really solidify yourself as somewhat of a dynasty, had KU won the national title that year, that would have been their second title in four years. Um, everything had kind of opened up for you. The Chiefs would have been the favorite in the Super Bowl this year, no matter who they played. Um, and all they had to do was finish off what seemed like a, 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 a close to surefire thing. 
and, and you know, in that case, it was playing an 11 seed. In this case, it was being up 18 at home with Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. And I'll say this: one difference is, and we were talking about this before the show, it doesn't have the finality of that because the VCU loss, you were losing the Morris twins, and it felt quite a bit. You were losing Tyrell Reed, Brady Morningstar. It felt very final. Um, this team, you are still look. I, I'm, and we'll get into this as the show goes on. There's a lot to throw on Patrick Mahomes about that game yesterday, but I still think walking away from that, the Chiefs still have the greatest quarterback in the NFL at age 26. So mm-hmm. that's the difference between the VCU losses. You were losing, you know, three, very, four, very, two very, very important players and two secondary important players. Um, the Chiefs, this Chiefs team isn't quite in that position, but that's how it feels. Yeah. No, I saw uh, Jesse Newell point something out, and he, he showed like the the percentage chance of the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, the percentage chance of KU winning the tournament that year were, were eerily similar as well. Um, I, I think this team, for me, it was a Scooby-Doo villain. And here's what I mean by that. You know, at the end of Scooby-Doo, they pull the mask off the culprit, and I almost got away with it, if not for those meddling kids. The meddling kids here was the young Joe Burrow and T. Higgins. Young and Zach Taylor. Jamar Chase. Yeah, Zach Taylor. And the Chiefs almost got away with all of these things that they shown us. They they left clues. They left hints along the season that maybe this team wasn't going to win the Super Bowl. Maybe this team wasn't going to make the Super Bowl. We saw the bad defense early in the season. And even despite the nice turnaround as the season went on, you never really saw a turnaround from the defensive line that mm-hmm. was invested in. Like, they never all of a sudden just became this chaos-breaking defensive line. Yeah. Yet, your most productive guy on the defensive line in the postseason was probably the guy you traded a sixth-round pick for, not any of the guys you paid all this money to. You, you saw Go ahead. You left clues about blowing double-digit leads. You left clues about crucial drops with Travis Kelsey— now, look, again, back to having no beef with the refs, there's probably a little tug on the jersey on that thing that he – the ball was in his hands. And that's third down. And and you left clues there. And and you left clues with a quarterback that made are-you-kidding-me type plays. Yeah, and, I mean, those double-digit leads that you blew. Um, great teams put games away. Lost the double-digit lead to the Ravens. Lost the game. You lost the double-digit lead to the Bengals the first go-around. You lost the game. Uh, you won against the Bills last week, but you – Basically had a double-digit lead. It was 9, would have been 10 if Bucker makes the PAT. Almost lost that game to the Bills, and then you blew the double-digit lead there. So you and left the, clues along the way there. And those clues started last year really beginning with the Tampa Bay game. Yeah, the the first one the where first, you yeah. up, what, 24-3 or something yeah. like that? Um, you left clues about Andy Reid being poor with game management. Those clues haven't just been laid down this year. That's been something that's been you know well-documented over time, whether it's timeout usage, clock management, turtling up in the second half with the lead. And there were also clues about the Chiefs being too stubborn to adjust in-game. Again, something that they eventually had to overcome earlier this year was adjusting to the way defenses were playing them. But we didn't really see those adjustments in-game. Those adjustments came like kind of on a week-to-week. The Bengals basically said, here, you can run on us on first down, but we don't think you're going to be committed to run on second, third down, on the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh play of the drive. You'll run it on first down, we'll stay in the same look, and you're going to eventually want to pass it. The Chiefs, and that's what they did. In the first half, the Chiefs got to a point where between Clyde Edwards-Alaire and, um, and Jarek McKinnon, 
They were averaging five over five and a half yards a carry. At one point, they had between them 15 carries for 85 yards. Couple that with the fact that the Bengals were dropping eight in the coverage, which that means carry the seven. They were leaving three up front. And so they were inviting you to run. After after in the first half, you're they're giving they're they're you're getting five and a half yards of carry. Then they're inviting you to run on top of that, and you're still you're not doing that. This was Patrick Mahomes' numbers against three man rushes in the second half and overtime. Twelve dropbacks, four sacks, three of eight passing, fifteen yards, one interception. You couldn't adjust, and then you know what the final clue and that the they adjustment left adjustment to that is so damn easy. Run the ball, right? I mean, they were QB spying Mahomes, so it wasn't a situation that he could just take off and run. But you know what the final clue they left us all season long? It was weird turnovers. It was tipped interceptions. Yeah. Guess what happened? Both turnovers. Weird interception by a defensive tackle on a screen pass, and then a tipped interception off Tyreek Hill's hands, which I, I don't blame him for like dropping it or anything. Just weird stuff. Just well, not the, the guy play, behind right? him made a good play, too. Yeah, he it, it did. Jesse Bates, who, uh, I don't know. He's a free agent. Tyron Matthew could be gone. Hey, I think he played at K-State. Ooh. Anyway, um, Chiefs were a Scooby-Doo villain this year, and they almost got away with it, if not for those meddling kids. Yeah, Joe Burrow kind of looks, mm. he's got the, he's got, <laughs> kind of got blonde hair like Shaggy. There we go. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll try to continue the Scooby-Doo references throughout the show. This is RCST on KLWN, KLWN.com, depending on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. All right, case of the Mondays on your Monday. We've skipped the past couple weeks. There was so much football that happened with Super Wildcard Weekend and... Uh, the divisional round last week, so we didn't have time for it. But, you know, I mean, in spirit of this segment, I mean, the real case of the Mondays is kind of feeling like groggy or hungover or something at work on a Monday or just not wanting to be there. I think that's a good description after the weekend that was. The mood is definitely not mimicking <laughs> the weather right now. Uh, quick note, by the way, did you know the Olympics start Friday? Oh, dude. I, do you understand how much I love the Olympics? You love the Winter Olympics as I well. I love all of them. Just all of them. I love all of them. I have played. I have made my my plans. I can't really. You, you should have known this because we we talked about the basketball broadcast this Friday. I've had my plans for the opening ceremony, and I'm not being sarcastic since before Christmas. I love the Olympics. The only time I've had an issue with any Olympics was in 2002. So here's the thing: when I was a kid. I was kind of known in my family as just getting these absurd fevers. Like when I was in like the third or fourth grade, I got like 106 fever once. I always, every year when I would get sick, I would just run these insane hot fevers. And uh, in the eighth grade, which was the uh, 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics, I'd been watching a lot of those because I was homesick. 
And at one point, I, I, catch, I caught such a hot fever that I woke up in the middle of the night hallucinating. I thought I was in Salt Lake City for the Olympics. And I kind of had to talk myself out of that hallucination. So that is a, a, a not so good memory I have of the Olympics. But other than that, I, I love the I've loved the Olympics my whole life. All of them. Winter and summer. See, I love the Summer Olympics. And, to be clear, I don't pretend to know anything about. Like, I'm not one of those people who are like, oh, I know a ton about curling and hockey and, and downhill skiing and all. I don't pretend to know who's good in all of these sports. I just love watching them. Maybe we'll play a game later this week, but um, I, I just can't really get into the Winter Olympics. I, there's a few things I like, like I love the hockey. Um, I don't know. Outside of that, it's just kind of bleh for me. I'll say this: I also hate the winter. Like the way I'm, I'm mm-hmm. freaking miserable throughout the winter. And so, it, it, it anything that's a nice little distraction that I can pop on TV is good. That's fair. Uh, how about this? Joel Embiid is now the MVP favorite. In the NBA, you could have gotten him at fifty to one odds at the beginning of the season. That's right, fifty to one, which seems rather high, does it not? I mean, what do you, what do you mean high? Well, as in like the odds are too much. Oh I guess. yeah, yeah, like you should have been. It should have been ten to one. 15 yeah, yeah, to yeah, one. yeah, yeah. I get what you're saying. I agree completely. Yeah, that I, would, seems I mean, too tw- high. twenty to one. I think would have sounded right. Mm-hmm. Um, he's now plus two sixty, which is between two to one, three to one. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's he's been amazing. We've we've gone back and forth on this. Well, you actually if, could have got him at fifty to one and back on January sixteenth. Wow, that's crazy. Doesn't seem right. That can't be right. Huh? I mean, this is according to ESPN. He is on a sixteen-game stretch where he's averaging thirty-four points and ten rebounds per game. That includes a fifty-point game on like twenty-three shots or something crazy like that. Now his odds aren't. Way ahead of the other guys. Stephen Curry is yeah, three he, to one. He's not in minus money yet. No, Giannis is plus three twenty-five. Nikola Jokic is four to one, and then there's a drop off after those four. It John really Rantz gets fourteen to one. It really gets big when it hits a point where a player is like, you know, you got to bet two hundred dollars to win one hundred. Mm-hmm. He's not there yet. He's on the other side of that. No, he's not. But clearly, that shows you there is a big drop off after the top four. So that mm-hmm. basically means. He has clearly separated himself to being a top four MVP candidate. Yeah, and rightly so. And and we've talked before, if he wins the MVP, because based on his time at KU, is he, he shouldn't get his jersey retired. Mm-hmm. But if he wins an MVP, that's tough, man. It really is. An NBA think, MVP is a lot for your school. I think if he wins an MVP, he will get his jersey retired. Now, I, I think even if he doesn't win an MVP, eventually he will get his jersey retired because I'm expecting at some point he will be inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Yeah. And I think it'll be hard for for KU to be like, hey, we have this Basketball Hall of Famer who played at our school. Let's, but listen, I, I understand. I know there's some people probably screaming at the radio right now, like, how could he get his jersey retired at Kansas? That's yeah. a different thing. I, look, I'm not disagreeing I would, with I would you. listen to the argument either way, but the topic of like how I feel is very different than what I think will yes. happen. If he wins an MVP... I don't think he should get his jersey retired at Kansas, but I do think he does. I agree, because it should be about what you did. But will it happen? I think it. I think it very much will. It's I a mean, good chance. Imagine too, you can use that as like a recruiting tool. Recruits are in the building; they look up at the, you know, thing, and they say, "Oh, Joel Embiid played here. Awesome." You know, the same way that I'm sure guys in the 2000s would look up and say, "Oh, look, Wilt played here." Whatever. I. I don't know. I. I, I think it's going to happen, and um, I do think what'll happen with him though. Whereas, like, we're coming up on, I think the next guy who's going to get his jersey retired that we know about, like, the last guy we saw was was Marcus Morris. 
So that would just mean timeline-wise, uh, Thomas Robinson would be the next guy for KU. I think the thing about T-Rob, though, is he also he's still playing it overseas, mm-hmm. so it's harder to get him back here. Whereas with the Morris um, Twins, you're in the NBA, and you know All-Star Weekend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. um, but yeah, I think it would be Tyrod. In fact, I think there's a good chance it could have been Ty- T-Rob last year, if not for the fact that they weren't have, really having people... That would have been very cool if they did it for the Missouri game, right? Yeah. Although maybe you didn't need to double down, um, but that would have been very, very funny, good trolling and, and just a cool experience. I, I think that basically that puts us on about a 10-year timeline, right, where once a player leaves, it's, it's about 10 years from them getting yeah, their give or take. retired. I think it was it was, cl- it was much quicker. I think Chalmers was only like five. Yeah. I think There's some that, guys where exactly, it's, it's right. way quicker. But um. I just think it's so I think much Joel, of it. It'll be a longer process. I think so much of it is also about getting the timing right to mm-hmm. where, because now you think even if they do retire and beat, he's going to be busy every All Star weekend. Yeah, well that's what I'm saying. Like I think, I I don't think it'll work progressively where it'll go. T Rob gets in, then Joel Embiid gets in, then I'm trying to think the next guy would probably Frank Mason after that gets in. I think it'll probably go. Uh, you go from Thomas Robinson, then Frank Mason's the next one, then like Devontae Graham's the next one. And I think Joel Embiid will just have to wait a little longer. That'll be, I guess, the penalty there. But I do think he'll get it. If he wins an MVP, I don't think he should, but I think he does get his his jersey yeah. retired here in Kansas, Kansas. Okay, and more NIL news. Dabo Sweeney doubled down on how bad it is. And, oh, wait, what's this story? Andrew Jones the Texas basketball player who uh, missed the season earlier in his college career for treatment for leukemia is going to be donating a portion of his NIL money to cancer research. He announced Friday that he's going to partner with the V Foundation, obviously created by former NC State coach Jim Valvano, and donate 10% of all of his name, image, and likeness proceeds to the foundation. It's a shame these kids are getting this. I know. They already were getting... You know what? He why couldn't he just donate ten percent of his free tuition? <laughs> Could you imagine? He's like, here's a book. I only gave you ten of the pages, though. Yeah, dude, Davo Sweeney is uh, look look. It, it's it's if he wants to stay how he is, then he'll have. To. Do you think that thing's gonna implode? I, I kind of think it will. He's it is. got to figure it out, man. Yeah. He's either gotta he's either gotta start lying. Or come around to changing how he feels or go to the NFL, which I don't know how he do in the NFL because he's a hell of a recruiter, but you don't recruit in the NFL. No. I, I'm, but I I really, he's going to have to really change how he views what the position of a coach is and what the position of a student athlete is. And I, and there are a lot of people, I mean, he's going to get negative recruited like crazy there. Oh, 100%. You come, oh, man, you want to come, you know, against ACC. Well, we've got this guy down here at Miami. Doesn't matter if you're a walk-on. Doesn't matter if you're a starter, a Heisman candidate, or you're not even a starter. You get you you automatically, even if you're not a starter, you get this from this guy that runs the mm-hmm. gym down here. It's like the Texas thing. Any offensive lineman on scholarship gets X amount of money with you, some place yeah. down there. And you know, oh really? You want to go to Clemson? He doesn't even want you to get an IL mm-hmm. deal. He'll he'll scream at you if you sign a deal with a car dealership. Yeah, I kind of think it's going to slowly fall apart. I mean, they still have really talented players on the roster. Like I'm sure they'll still be good for the next few years and stuff and like when i say fall apart i'm not saying they're going to become what kansas has become over the last decade but i kind of wonder if they're done making college football playoff appearances and, and being a mainstay i mean, it, I mean you lost all the coordinator your, your offensive defense yeah. coordinator venables was there for so long he's never had to rebuild a staff before especially not all in one year 
That's going to be very interesting. And I think it does open up the ACC for the likes of, you know, Florida State, Miami, if they were to ever return. Now's your chance. Um, Elsewhere in college football, Michigan State is bringing on former Colorado running back Jarek Broussard. Broussard was the Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year in 2020. I think the reason this is most interesting, you're talking about a guy who was really good at Colorado, and now he transfers over. Well, this is the same path that Michigan State just followed. They added Kenneth Walker from the transfer portal last season headed into the year from Wake Forest, and Kenneth Walker ended up finishing sixth in the Heisman voting. He's going to be like a first, second, third-round pick in the draft this year. I kind of wonder if, you know, I think there's going to be certain positions that you can really thrive off of in the transfer portal moving forward. And then I think there's going to be certain positions where maybe it's a little harder to find that guy, right? Like, I maybe what we're learning this year from Bill Self and KU is that to be a Bill Self point guard, you have to be in the program for a while, and that Bill Self is fine using the transfer portal for a bench shooter or fine using the transfer portal for a big man like Tark Black. But maybe bringing on a transfer point guard isn't the route that Bill Self wants to go. Or it could just be that he asks too much out of it. Like it could you be. Have to, you, it could be. I mean, yeah. we've heard stories tons of tons of years of senior night. You'll hear a guard going, I hated Bill Self, yeah. and I wanted to transfer when I was a freshman or sophomore. And it could just be that he demands so much out of his guards that it's truly not possible to learn in a year. So maybe that is like an example of this. But I think in college football, I think running backs is one of those positions where it's like, no, we can just thrive just bringing on running backs in the transfer portal. I would agree. Uh, it, it, I mean, you have to learn less. Well, yeah, you don't have to, you know, it, it can be, I think, I think you can learn everything in less amount of time. I don't want to claim that it's easy because it isn't. But I think you can learn a lot in, in a less period of time. I do want to add, um, this is not quite breaking news. It just is, became officially official. Um, Raiders officially have introduced Josh McDaniels. Okay. So, yeah, that happened over the weekend too. Yep. Perfect so I, I, I know that the, the rumors came out over the weekend, and I think it got close to being confirmed over the weekend. But, but it, now they've, officially they've official. now been introduced. He's now been introduced as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So Josh, Josh McDaniel back to the AFC West. Back in the where AFC he West. Fell flat on his face. He's, hey, he started nine and zero. Yeah, he and did. And then nothing. I drafted Tim Tebow in the first round. I don't know. That'll be interesting. I, I do think he got a bad rap. Like, I don't think he was a horrible coach. I don't think he was a great coach. But. Yeah, look, I, I think he is the kind of guy that can kind of maximize what Derek Carr is. I do, but you know what the problem is? He's in the same you have Yeah, you have, like, an average coach with an average quarterback, and you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, and potentially with the Broncos, who knows, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. We'll just wait and see. Okay, last story for Case of the Mondays. Rafael Nadal. He was down two sets to none to Daniel Medvedev. I believe that's how you pronounce it. Medvedev, yep. Came back, won the Australian Open. I'll leave this one to you. You're a bigger tennis fan I I loved it. He's he's my favorite tennis player, and he now, I don't think this record will stand for too terribly long. Not a big Djokovic guy? Um, No, not particularly. (laughs) I've always thought he was fine. He's a great player. I've always just liked Rafa and the way he plays. Um, His energy is, is crazy. He really plays in such a way that he almost doesn't need a backhand because he's very ambidextrous um, to the point that when he, he, my friend kind of refers to him as a fiddler crab, okay. the way he kind of moves around on the court. He's very, he's so quick that even when he's moving side to side, he can almost start moving forward. It's pretty remarkable to watch. Um, 
I really started liking watching him in about 05. Uh, tennis, for the record, tennis was the only sport in high school that I was good at. Um, and so Rafa is so, so much fun to watch. And, and for the moment, for now, he can, at this moment, he holds the record for most, uh, most, um, singles grand slam championships of any men's player ever. Uh, he holds that record for the moment. Djokovic is younger than him. I don't know if Djokovic is going to be allowed to play in the French open. Um, so and that could be a good chance for Rafa to grab a, a lead of two on, on Federer and, and Djokovic. Um, French Open's the dirt one, right? Yeah, it's clay. And, and that's, that's the one he that usually he's dominated. Yes, yeah. he's dominated because he's Spanish. So he that's a, a, a surface he's very familiar with. Um, and so, yeah, it's uh, it's a very unique surface. You have to play in a, in a more defensive manner. Um, but, yeah, he uh, – I, I, I loved that. I loved – you know, it was the comeback you know, down to, and was it the third one or the fourth one that went to the tiebreaker? I think it was seven to six in the, in the third one. So we needed a tiebreaker to even get that comeback going. Um, and Med, Medvedev is really good. And Medvedev actually beat another guy, a Greek guy named Sit, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. T S I T S I P A S is how you spell this guy's hmm. last name. Tazaki, um, Tazaki sauce. Anyway, um, so a Greek guy. But, uh, Medvedev beat beat that Greek guy in the semifinals, and I think Medvedev and this Greek guy are the next the next pair because they're younger than the than the three the big three right now, and I really think that's the next pair to come up and do a lot in men's tennis. All right, there's your tennis news from Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. That is Case of the Mondays on KLWN. We'll be right back after this. Super Bowl is set. Sadly, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Depend on it. So the Super Bowl is set, not featuring the Chiefs, sadly enough. Do you give the Bengals a legit shot at winning the Super Bowl? Uh, Yeah, they kind of feel like there's some magic there. It really does, which is weird because I, I am so high on Joe Burrow and the receiving core they have, the weapons they have are really good. Like, clearly the defense is very good. Like, I... I it wouldn't surprise me, I guess, necessarily if they won, but I'm I'm not picking them to win. Saying it out loud just feels weird. It's like really burnt. Well, like I guess here's you- here's another thing that I somewhat believe and and people may just say, "Oh, you're just hopeful thinking sour grapes, blah blah blah." I I can see Joe Burrow in 3 years people going, "What the hell happened to him?" I I, I just I, there are moments with Joe Burrow where I just don't see it. Um, he's, he's been phenomenal. He was phenomenal before he got hurt last year, but there are just enough moments with him where I'm just like, something doesn't quite add up. Um, and I could very well see it going almost like Carson Wentz. We're just in, in a couple years, we're going, whatever happened to Joe Burrow? That's a good comparison. If, if that does happen and you're right, I mean, this isn't a guy who, Oh, he's still twenty three years old. I mean, he's only a year younger. It's Mahomes than age. Mahomes. He's two months, two months younger than Mahomes. Is he really? Okay. Um. Yeah. So it's like not, you know, that crazy for something like that to happen. If if maybe we are just kind of riding the coattails of, hey, you're a you're a, a quarterback on a rookie contract, so they're able to put like this unbelievable mm-hmm. team around I mean, you, and they the, drafted so well. The Bengals looked. at The only thing is, they don't have a good offensive line. But the Bengals looked at what the Chiefs did with Mahomes. And said, "We're going to find out. We're going to put every weapon we have around this kid, and we're going to find out right away if he's the dude or not." 
because if he's not the if, if if he can't succeed with these weapons, he's not the dude. But I do. There's a part of me, and again, I, I'm sure you know every. But people live in the moment. Um, and if there's, you know, Burrow's the next great thing, he's better than Mahomes, uh, fine. If you want to make that argument, I really just think that 2024 comes around and there's going to be a what happened to Joe. The Bengals are going to be sitting at, you know, five and eight, and they're going to go, what the hell happened to Joe Burrow? No, we do this a lot with young quarterbacks. We're ready to dub everyone the next one. Um, remember when Derek Carr was like a legit MVP candidate yeah. in his, what, second or third year? Happened with RG3. Mm-hmm. It happened early on with Baker Mayfield. Um, it even happened with guys who, who you know, did well in the playoffs. Like, yeah. uh, I mean, Carson Wentz never got a chance to, but then there was, you know, Nick Foles. I mean, there's been so many next ones, um, and, and it's rare they ever are yeah, the next it one. it is. And and I will say, this is a little different, right? You you made the Super Bowl in, in year two. So you yeah, get, yeah, yeah. You get points huge. for that, That's and those huge. other guys didn't do that. And, and I, again, am very, very high on Joe Burrow. I, Sean Watson. Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, you are absolutely right. The difference is... Right. And you, Burrow, you had to win Burrow, on the road. The Burrow has won games, the Super right? Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Um, or has has made the Super Bowl. And you beat. It. You didn't just get a, a wide open path or anything. Like you had to beat the one seed. You had to beat the Chiefs on the road in the AFC Championship game. I guess what's just weird for me is coming out of both of their last two games. And really, even if you go back to the Raiders game, like they beat the Raiders, but it wasn't a game where like I sat there and went, "Man, this team is so much better than the Raiders." Remember, there was the 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 call on the the touchdown that could have mm-hmm. been or shouldn't have been. Burrow's last two really good games have come against the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and that's a problem for the Chiefs. Um, but he's also had – there's a lot of – there's been a lot of in-between those Chiefs. I mean, we said it coming in uh, on Friday when we were making our picks. I said the last – you know, Joe Burrow has had a lot of meh with the exception of playing against the Chiefs. He had like three out of eight really good games coming into this weekend, and one of them happened to come against the Chiefs. Now the thing is, he's had four out of nine really good games, although he had a terrible first half yesterday. But I'll still give him a good game because he led the comeback and they got the win. Um, And so, you know, so he had a, a good game yesterday. So now you can say four out of nine good games, and two of them have come, have come against the Chiefs, but you're still looking at Burrow going... You know, I don't know. Let me just say this. I, I think there's a very real possibility it's the last Super Bowl for either of these two quarterbacks. Yeah, it, it very well could be. Um, I would probably take the over on Joe Burrow. I could. Yeah, the Rams is funny because it, it feels like for so long they've been playing this by now philosophy. And every year for the past, what, three or four or five years maybe now, like at the trade deadline, they're the team that is. They're all in. We traded a first round pick for Jalen Ramsey, or multiple first round picks for Jalen Ramsey. We traded uh, whatever they gave up for Von Miller, right? They're they're acquiring all these guys via trade, and it's like eventually they're gonna have to pay the piper, right? But they haven't so far, and it it, it makes me wonder like one of two things: either it's gonna come crashing down one year when all of this stuff, like eventually they're just gonna like run out of picks, or the cap's gonna kill them. Either that. Or maybe they found a flaw in the NFL system that, hey, we're always going to have more picks next year, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I wonder if uh, maybe th- this is like, it's the opposite of Moneyball in a certain way, like in efficiency. But like, in a certain way, it's Moneyball if you can find a market efficiency because not a lot of other teams do this. That's Yeah, that's very true. They they could very well be, be you know, have, have some system that, that says, well, players 
vet proven veteran players are more valuable than picks. Like Von Miller has been so good this postseason. Yeah. I mean, he's Melvin Ingram, very similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and well, and Von Miller's been better, but just to the point of giving up picks for, uh, you know, a, a player. Um, yeah, that is very interesting. I, I I think the 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 name of the game, if you're the Rams or the Chiefs, I, I think if you if you want to sustain this thing, like the the Chiefs have been part if it's luck, but I can't say it's all luck because you have to give credit where credit's due. They've made a lot of good picks, um, with with you know low low in the draft, and they deserve credit for that. But it's also kind of like, well, you know, I, how long can you do that? Mm-hmm. Well, if you're winning, you're going to add more people, and that that's what helps too. I mean. I almost wonder, because Odell Beckham ended up signing with the Rams, and, and by certain reports, it sounded like like that was the inevitable destination. So I don't know how much really the Chiefs could have actually done. You know who I think the Chiefs are very much in on right now, though, is Juju Smith-Schuster. Yeah, well, I mean, there was a report, what, last week that they were that Juju Smith-Schuster, the expectation is he'll sign with the Chiefs. There was a report over this weekend, or maybe it was like last Friday or Thursday, that the Chiefs are expected to be one of the top destinations for Odell this year. Right, so I I don't know. Uh, Obviously, they're in the market for yeah, for yeah, a second yeah. receiver, right? Um, but which I I love. I still I love that. I really think, and I know, uh, and and look, the fact of the matter is, until Patrick Mahomes wins a Super Bowl, every year he goes without winning another Super Bowl, there's going to be the worry of oh man, could is he going to be the next Rodgers? Yes. Um, now I'll say the difference is he already made it to a second. Um, and Rodgers never did, but I still the, the 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 comp is there until he gets his second ring. That is a fact. But I do think the the Chiefs are looking at the the Packers from two standpoints and going one, uh, for strategy's sake, we need to make sure our guy are always has weapons. But then for the sake of just making sure we have a harmonious locker room with our high highest paid dude. I think they've looked at the Packers and gone, we need to do everything we can to keep Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes happy. And look, I don't think Patrick Mahomes, I think it's kind of similar to um Bill Self and and it's, you know, the AD the, the uh, you know, the AD's prime job at at KU. Yes, you want to fix football, but the first and foremost it's keeping Bill Self happy. And I think if you're Brett Veach, for first and foremost, the job is keeping Patrick Mahomes happy. And I think in both of those cases, in the case of Bill Self and the case of Patrick Mahomes, while they are super competitive and, and, and set on winning, and a lot of competitive people do have big egos, I also think they are somewhat easy to please. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't view uh, Bill Self as a diva. I don't view Patrick Mahomes as a diva. So, yes, your most important job is to keep those two guys happy. And on the topic of the Chiefs, if you're Brett Veach, number one job is keeping Patrick Mahomes happy. I think the other side of that is he seems like a pretty easy dude to keep happy as long as you're not depleting his resources on offense. Yeah, and maybe Odell Beckham would be that guy. Um, I can't help but wonder if the Chiefs would have gotten Odell Beckham in the offseason. And and honestly, this same, like, Odell Beckham might have legitimately swung the championship pendulum this year. Because if you remember, the teams that he was were finalists for, I want to say it was Chiefs, Green Bay, and the Rams. Am I missing someone? Maybe there's another team in on it. I didn't even realize Green Bay was one of them. Yeah, those were like the three big ones. I really Green Bay could have used another receiver, right? Do you think let me percentage chance okay. KU or KU 
percentage chance, the percentage of KU getting either of these players is very low, but the percentage of the Chiefs getting either Odell Beckham or Juju Smith-Schuster this offseason. I don't know. It's probably pretty good, but I, I'm curious, like, with this this playoff, because this is what I'm saying. With, with the Packers, you, you struggled offensively. Odell might be the difference in you moving on you've got a guy, you, or whatnot. You, you've got a guy, you've got an answer if they close up Devontae Adams. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then the Chiefs, you've got a third. The, you've got Sammy Watkins again, right? And we had, uh, we we just saw yesterday the second half of the game and in overtime, Tyree Kill had zero catches. Yeah, if you're doing that in the second half, because in the overtime you targeted Demarcus Robinson twice. Those are going to Odell if that's not Tyree Kill, or or maybe it's going to Pringle because yeah. he gets slid down to uh, whatever it is, right? Or maybe it opens up Tyree Kill even more because you have Odell Beckham Jr. This is what Odell Beckham Jr. has done for the Rams in the postseason. Four catches for 54 yards and a touchdown against the Cardinals. Eight catches for 69 or six catches for 69 yards against the Buccaneers. Nine catches for 113 yards against the 49ers. If you take him away from the Rams and put him on the Chiefs, and I don't know how they would have got it done again, he might have just wanted to go to the Rams regardless. Are the Rams not in the Super Bowl, and are the Chiefs in it? In the Super Bowl, that's it. Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I think that the part that's super, that's very unquantifiable is um, how much, how many more options does um, uh, does Tyree Kill have? You know, are the Chiefs? You know, instead of being fourteen and were the uh, were the Chiefs what twelve and five this year? Yeah, are the Chiefs? You know, thirteen and four instead, and 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 the one seed, which again, there would have been a similar path. They still got home mm-hmm. field advantage this year, um, but you know, ha- that's those are all. It's not just what you know. If you add those to the Chiefs, it's also what does you know? How much does having a guy look the the wasp play that's so that's so famous? Patrick Mahomes said after after he called the play. He said, you get open, and he said that to Hill, and he said, you be working, and that's what he said to Sammy Watkins. And the reason he said, you be working to Sammy Watkins is because Sammy needed to run his route hard to fool the safety into coming up, which is how Tyreek Hill got open. And so it's not just this the quantifiable stats of what, of what Odell Beckham brings to your team. It's what does his presence do to, to make defenses go – Odell or Tyreek? Odell yeah. or Tyreek? Well, and to your point, like, you know, because Pringle and, and Hardman, I think, got better as the season went on and into bigger roles. But neither one of those guys, I mean, Hardman technically because of the speed, but neither one of those guys, when they're on the field, is the defense going, hey, we got a key on him, and Th- those by are the both, way, those worried are both, about a big play coming against yeah, us, right? Yeah, th- those are both, all right, beat us with him, fine, yeah. go for it. And it's like, it, if you want to hit a six-yard slant route to Byron Pringle, yeah, go for it. Yeah, if you win with Pringle and, uh, and Hardman... Good job. Like, could you see anyone remember the Sammy Watkins touchdown that ended up being the game winning touchdown um, against the 49ers? Could you see any receiver besides Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey yeah. doing that on so, this team? Yeah, it was also a beautiful throw. It too. was. It was. But yes, the catch was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, you look, Sammy Watkins sealed the game. It wasn't the game winner, but he caught what it, but basically, Sammy Watkins caught the ball in the AFC Championship game against the Titans that I think most people said, okay, um, this is you know this game's over. I think that that kind of sealed it. Now it's third. That made it thirty-five seventeen. The final score wound up being thirty-five twenty-four. So the Chiefs would have won regardless, probably. But the point is, they were up twenty-eight seventeen late in the game, 
and they were still able to heave it deep because they had multiple options that the defense had to account for. And I think this might be a very important offense to get a third guy like that because I think I'm predicting one more good like I'm predicting basically one more Hall of Fame caliber season from Travis Kelsey. I don't think he's going to fall off and be terrible after that, but I think he's got one more Hall of Fame caliber season in him. And so if you add a, if if you get that third weapon um then then yeah, I, and 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 people are um you know, and so yeah, you're absolutely right. Think of how much that Odell Beckham trade meant to a lot of people. I mean, yeah. it's it, it meant it's meant Stafford's first Super Bowl. It's meant McVay's second Super Bowl. You Pretty know? crazy. It it kept uh, Garoppolo and um, Shanahan from getting their second Super Bowl. I mean, it was a huge turning point in this season. It really was, and shows the importance of getting that number two guy. Which, to your point, could be on the horizon for the Chiefs with Juju or Odell. Uh, by the way, Tom Brady retirement saga happened over the weekend. I don't know. We'll talk about it when it officially gets. Confirmed. I think I'm real quick. I'm just going to add my two cents that nobody cares about. Um, I think he's. I think it. I think he's retiring, and he's pissed that he didn't get to announce it. Yeah, I heard from somebody that um, works close to the NFL. That I, I don't want to be the source guy, so I don't know what I'm doing here. But um, basically, he was. You know that man in the arena show on ESPN Plus. Was that going to be the final episode? That maybe that was possibly going to be. The final opportunity that, yeah, he was going to announce it on there and word got out during the production and boom. Well, it is right? worth, I mean, it's worth noting that the, the people, you know, it was ESPN who announced it and it's ESPN who runs that show. So you can put a couple things together there. Right. I really think, look, Schefter's so rarely wrong, especially about They these. haven't pulled the report either, right? Exactly. They've In fact, they've doubled down on yeah. it. I think he's mad that it didn't, it wasn't him that announced it. Um, that he didn't get to say it himself, and then that's what happened. But I, I think he's done. He's Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. Let's get to our NFL Monday overreactions coming up next. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com. And we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. About a quarter till five, we'll get back into the KU and Chiefs specific conversation at the top of the five o'clock hour. Might have a little of the Chiefs here on the NFL Monday overreactions. Um, by the way, I, I should just clarify now, I don't really have a loser of the week this week. At this point in the season, you can't really. It's all of us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We are the losers of the week. But usually it's like a positive spin. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, well, so I guess maybe the 49ers are the loser of the week because it's either them or the Chiefs, but the 49ers have the higher draft pick? I don't know. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, uh, NFL Monday over. It could be Med- Medvedev. He lost, but he was part of a record-breaking, you know, final. Sure, we'll go with, with Medvedev in the NFL Monday uh, overreaction loser of the week. I'll, I'll start this thing off. Number one for me. Um, actually, before I start this off, I wrote this down as a reminder, so I wanted to get to it. Do you remember? I could have sworn this was on this segment. If not, it was in another segment this year. You mentioned. Days ago, weeks ago, months ago, hell if I remember, 
wishing there was a third place game. Oh, yeah. I've, I've said that for a long time. Do you still wish that right now? Oh, yeah. Would that make you feel better or worse if the Chiefs got to play in a third place game? I'd, I, I'd probably equal. I mean, I, probably better just because it'd be like, hey, cool. I get to watch the Chiefs in one more mm-hmm. game. Um, there's so many, there's so much trouble with the logistics of that. I don't know how many teams play. You'd have to make it financially worth it. Um, but no, I, I think, I think it would be like, uh, I mean, it would still really suck blowing that lead, but I do think it would, I I don't know. I just, I still think there would be so much fun to a Saturday night game where, wherever the Super Bowl is next year, play it there Saturday night, 7 PM the night before the Super Bowl. I think it'd be a lot of fun. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm I'm not against any more football. I think if I had to watch the Chiefs in a third-place game knowing it was the day before the Super Bowl, I would just be the whole time like thinking in my head like, oh, if only this was in the Super Bowl. And if they win by like 50. They could go off you six, know? like 63 to 10. <laughs> oh, gosh. That'd make me feel so so terrible, which is weird because like World Cup, for instance. I've if Team USA was in the third-place game. Would be going nuts. Jazzed. If the Chiefs were in the third-place game the year they lost yeah. to the Patriots. Yes. Be like, come on. Yeah. So we are best, our, our first chance in a third place since whenever. Whenever, you know? yeah. But now, maybe that's just an expectation thing. I don't know. That is the thing. We're at the point. I mean, look, man, for Ch- Chiefs fans who have never been KU basketball fans, welcome to it. Right. <laughs> this is life when you expect to compete for a title, mm-hmm. you know, at least every couple of years. This is life, man. Welcome to it. Yeah. All right. My first one. Andy Reid will not win another Super Bowl. Ooh, spicy. I'm glad this is overreactions. (laughs) Do you actually agree with that? I mean, the overreactionary side of me does. Oh, yeah. But the regular side of me. Are you going to feel that way in June? Like the Chiefs have a kick-ass draft. I'll say this. And we're going into training camp with with another quarterback Mm -hmm. or another quarterback, another wide receiver and a kick-ass draft. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. Uh, this is probably the answer to your question. Because if I were to say I would be disappointed if Andy Reid did not win another Super Bowl with the Chiefs, that probably means subconsciously I think they should win another one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess there's your answer. Um, but Mahomes is no longer on the rookie contract. Margin Fair is a little bit smaller in terms of roster construction. His game management issues for Andy Reid I'm talking about, I'm wondering if they're too much to overcome because all it takes is one bad moment or game in the postseason for it to matter. And yep. if you think about it, you're going to play three or four postseason games. Um, there's a good chance that all three or four of them, if not two to three of them, will be close games and against good teams. Chances are a small decision or a small mistake, a small game management, time management decision, is the that could be enough to end your season. Um, I mean, technically it was last night against yeah. the Bengals. I'll say this. I, I think um, when you look at how much had to go wrong yesterday, I, I, I look, I think it's very proper for the overreaction segment because it's not like crazy. It's mm-hmm. not It's not an insane thing, and I, it wouldn't shock well, me if it turned out to be. The other piece we don't know how long Andy Reid's going to coach. And look, man, I'm not ever – I heard it, – it doesn't mean – look – I think he comes back next year, but he was flat asked to confirm, and he said, "Yeah, I think so," or "Yeah, I'm pretty sure." And he kind of giggled at the question, which does kind of make you think. Oh, you yeah. were, it was kind of a silly question to even ask. But look, man, I noted. I you better believe. I don't think it meant anything, but you better believe I noticed when he said, "Yeah, I think so." And if it comes up that he, for health reasons, look, those he's he's been wearing those since he had. 
he he left the game, and they never would say they would never confirm it was dehydration after he had to go to the hospital earlier this season. And he's been wearing those circulation compression pants since training camp. So if it, if I, and I'm I'm serious, man. If it comes out soon in March or or you know in June, whenever if it comes out that his he just from a health standpoint can't do it anymore. I'm going to come back to the, that quote when he says, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm going to move on. Oh, but I, what I was going to add is I do think what the Chiefs have done with, with Reed and Mahomes is exactly what the Belichick and Patriots did. Uh, Belichick and Brady Patriots did, which is they're always in a spot to do it. And they uh, they didn't even do it half the time. Um, but they're all, they were always in a position to do it. Uh, and I think that's that's one of the big mm-hmm. hurdles to get by get on. Um, my first one is I don't know if the heartbreak is worth it anymore. <laughs> I remember how fun it was to win the Super Bowl. I remember how fun it was to win the national championship in 08. And I remember how fun it was to win the MLS Cup in 2013. And how fun it was to win the world championship for the Royals in 2015. And I'm sitting here day after. Again, this is an overreaction. I don't know if the pain is worth it anymore. But you know what's weird? Like, if if the Chiefs would have lost to the Bills last week, I mean, clearly it would have it would have been some hurt there and some pain. But I don't think it would have been like this because this feels like I walked out of that game not thinking the Bengals were better than the Chiefs, which is I weird agree. because they beat them twice, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I walked out of that game going, the Chiefs should have won the Super Bowl this yep. year, or at the very least, the AFC Championship. I don't know how they would have matched up with the Rams. Um, that is frustrating. If, if the Bills would have beat them, you would have just said, Man, what a great team. Like, Josh Allen, they have the number one defense. Josh Allen played a hell of a game. Like, tip your cap. Good for them. It sucks their season's over. We'll be back next year. This happens sometimes. With the Bengals game, that's not supposed to happen. You're not supposed yeah. to blow an 18-point lead with the best quarterback in the NFL at home. Feels like the Patriots blew blowing it at home um, to Joe Flacco and the Ravens in the AFC Championship. I'm trying to think, was that 2013 or whatever? 12-13, the year the the Ravens won it all. Yeah, a little revenge for them. Okay, my number two. I'm such a Chiefs downer right now. The Chiefs will lose in the divisional round next year. Where's my proof? Well, the patterns. So the Chiefs were progressing, right? They went from, um, what was it, wild card round loss with Alex Smith. The AFC Championship. Then they jumped two rounds for, or two extra wins. They won wild card and divisional. And then they lost in the AFC Championship. Then they won two extra games the next year. Championship won the championship of the, the Super Bowl. Now they're regressing. They went from Super Bowl winners to Super Bowl losers. That's minus to one now win. AFC championship losers. Minus two wins. Natural progression is next year it's divisional round losers. Could be. And it's not like that crazy because everything we talk about with all these great quarterbacks, Herbert, Allen, Burrow, uh, if you want to go Lamar Jackson, who knows what, again, we keep mentioning, could Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson get traded to you know, Denver, uh, what's going to happen with Deshaun Watson? There's a lot of good quarterbacks. You're going to probably be playing a really good quarterback in the division round. Wouldn't be that crazy. My next one, the NFL should cancel all games after the Chiefs lose. <laughs> Dude. They just don't play oh them. I took a nap so during the NFC this. title game. I didn't watch it. I took a nap. I am. So I woke up after my nap not knowing who won. I checked it because I needed to for the sports update. Um, and uh, that's all. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch a second of that game. Okay, so first question is: Is that your normal move for when, like when? I, I think everybody has their own way of coping. Um, I I agree with you. I actually did not watch. I turned on the score and I was like, "Oh wow, Rams are down seventeen-seven. I watched the final twelve minutes or so 
of the game, and it, it kind of stunk because the whole way through it, I was thinking, man, I think the Chiefs could beat you know whoever went, which, which that sucks. Um, so it was not really an enjoyable experience, but I, I missed the first three quarters. I didn't want to watch it. Me and my wife just started watching like sitcom TV shows. Yeah. I, I just need something to cheer me up. Maybe I'll go on a walk or something. Just, I, I got to do anything other than that. What is your normal coping mechanism? After? Um, it depends. I I'm a, I love movies. I love books. Books are great because you can kind of shut out the entire mm-hmm. world. You forget there's an outside world, and th- those those are nice. Um, and then I'm, I'm kind of a music freak, too, so I listen to a lot of music. And, and I, I love like I'll, some like angsty music. I'll turn it up high and, and that sort of stuff. Well, it's one thing for... For the for this scenario, because it's like okay, I missed one game. We have two weeks now for me to reset before the Super Bowl. I'll watch the Super Bowl. Exactly. You know when it's really hard. This is when the KU NCAA lo- tournament. At KU loses in the Elite Eight. Yeah, or they're like, let's say it's second round upset, and yeah. KU's like the morning or afternoon game, and there's still like four or five <laughs> games. Yeah. You're like, I love March Madness. And I wait for this time every year, but this just ruined the rest of the day for me. I agree completely. Okay, uh, my number three one. The Bengals are the real team to watch for the AFC Dynasty. Um, Chargers, I don't know, seem to have infrastructure problems there. They have the quarterback. Um, Chiefs, I don't know. Are they really going to be a dynasty? you got to win multiple Super Bowls to do that. And right now they haven't quite been there. The Bengals, unlike the Chiefs, like with Travis Kelsey, he's aging. Tyreek Hill is almost 30 years old. T. Higgins is only like 24. Um, Jamar Chase is a rookie. Like, all their weapons could have another like seven years before they turn 30 years old. I am really high on this Bengals team, at the very least, during the Joe Burrow con- or rookie contract years. If they could get two during his, his rookie years, then he maybe get one more uh, during his, his bigger contract. Bengals might turn into the team to beat. What if between 2019 and 2030? The Chiefs and the Bengals combined for seven Super Bowls. I wouldn't be that. Cr- I mean, so I have a, I have a friend who's a Chargers fan, and and you know I I was talking with him about this. And I think I posted something on Twitter. There's a chance that, and this is is not necessarily what you're talking about because it's the Bengals aren't AFC West, but the idea that you know what if the AFC West were to do what the NFC East did in the '90s, where you had one dynasty team, which was the Cowboys, yeah. like maybe that could be the Chiefs. And then you had um, a bunch of other Super Bowl winners, which you had Washington win one, you had the Giants win one, Eagles didn't. Oh, you're talking uh, but about the Eagles 80s. were really good in the in the no the nineties. Um, Washington, I guess, won yeah, it, yeah, early nineties. You're mm-hmm. right. They yeah. beat the Bills. You're right. You're right. Okay, That's that an is thought. our NFL Monday overreactions with Adam Dravetta. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Two hours down, one to go. Let's get back into the KU conversation, look at some past blowout losses in January, February, and so forth, and see if uh, that'll give us a little more hope. This is RCST. Five o'clock hour, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. With Adam Dravet, I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN. Chiefs. Blow it in the AFC Championship. KU gets blown out by Kentucky on Saturday with college game day in town. Never really felt like a game in that one. So I tasked Adam over the weekend. I was like, hey, can you go back and look at when KU has gotten blown out of the water? And specifically, I wanted to know, you know, not just at any point in the season, because like we, we all know, obviously, the Kentucky game and uh, 2015. Well, the game was in 2014. The vodka the, game. Yeah, the vodka game. 
Um, but specifically, I wanted to know like January, February, March games that were basically toward the end of the season when you're supposed to be kind of coming together, when things are supposed to be maybe starting to mesh for you to hit that run toward the end of the season. And there's actually a lot more than you'd think. And and so um, you gathered this data. You put this together. What? It's, it's all 15 point. I based it on I, I for the purpose of this. I defined a, uh, a blowout as 15 points, which or I more. think is fair. What I think you the, the, is probably missing are games that were um, more like eleven or twelve, but KU just kind of got you know that they, they they probably only lost by ten or eleven or twelve, but they they probably def- performed much worse than the score would indicate that they clawed their way back. But really, it, it from the looks of it, it was a blowout. Just the final score didn't happen to be a blowout. Mm-hmm. But I figure the other side of that coin is there are probably a, a couple 15-point losses in here that turned out worse than they really were um, because of things that happened at the end of the game. So for the purposes of all that, a blowout is defined here as a 15-point loss or worse. Okay, cool. So very from simple way of looking the at The 1st of January on. Okay, so we go back to the Bill Self era. It happened three times. His first year. His first year in the month of February alone. I mean, you're talking in a two-week span. And one of them was against Nebraska. And, yeah, at Oklahoma State, at Nebraska by 19, at Texas by 15. Then they turned around in the Big 12 tournament and only lost to Texas by four. That team made the Elite Eight. Yep, as a four seed. They got some help on the way to the Elite mm-hmm. Eight. They uh, they made the Sweet 16 on their own. but then and, and, look, they still need to win in the Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight. But they... Um, UAB was either an eight or a nine that upset that one seed Kentucky. That team just feels like so much of an outlier. I think if we were looking with with three of those, also they had a good team. If you kind of think about it, for March with with guard play with Aaron Miles, Keith Langford, and stuff, which um, is funny because that exact same group was terrible in the yeah, tournament right? the next year. Yeah, but that that does feel like the outlier of like, oh, it happened a lot. There's no other season on here where it happened three times. Yeah, twice is the most. Okay, so the next season. Um, Villanova lost by 21. That was also the team's first loss in the whole season. That's crazy. They went to they Philly. 21. They went was to that Philly the red jersey and, game? Yes, and Nova could not freaking miss. And that is why Bill Self did not want to wear red jerseys for a while. 83-62 to 62 was the final. That team wound up tying for the Big 12 championship, uh, losing the Big 12 semis, and that was the Bucknell year. Yeah, so as as we like go through these, you know, you can view this as a positive or a negative in a lot of different lights. Like, I, I think, um, you know, the 3 4 season, Self's first season, if you were to say you got blown out all those times you made the Elite Eight, that's a positive. But in the 4 5 maybe them getting blown out was an indication that, yeah, maybe this team was first-round upset-worthy, as was the next team. They lost by 25 at Texas. That team also lost in the Important first round. note, however, a couple weeks later, they turned around, went to Dallas for the Big 12 tournament, and beat Texas going away. They beat Texas by 12 or 13 in Dallas in the Big 12 tournament final. Um, and so that team, it's kind of funny because th- those teams are like, well, is it, do you want momentum going into March or don't you? Because in 2005, after that, you know, that blow, there was that blowout loss to Villanova. Then KU ended the month in 05, ended the month of January by shelling a good Texas team, 90 to 65 in Allen Fieldhouse off also on college game day for the record. And that KU team really crumbled toward the end of the year. They wound up with a three seed. They lost to Bucknell. The next year, they were hotter than a bottle rocket in July. 
They won like 14 of their last 16 games or 15 of the last 16 games or something. And one of those, and that loss was at Texas. They turned around and in Dallas and avenged that loss to Texas in the Big 12 title game. And so they're hotter than anybody in the country. And they still lose in the first round that year to Bradley. So interesting case study. Didn't happen at all in 06, 07, 07, 08. So the next year this happens, we got to jump to 2000. Uh, this would have been in 2009, the 08, yep. 09 season. March 4th of 09. At Texas Tech, who I don't believe was that great that year. This was a Texas Tech senior night. This was kind of one of those cases of a player we've never heard of cans a billion threes yes. against KU. I can't remember the that guy's is, name, but if exactly, you showed it in front of me. That's exactly what happened that night. Um, I was uh, taking, that was back when I wasn't, at KU, I would just occasionally. I, I never really was. I never took college seriously. Alan Voskul, Vosco, Vosco. There we go. Um, thirty-five points. Yeah. Anyway, I, I was listening to that game on the radio after after um, a Model UN class. So that team lost by nineteen. They still found a way to a three seed, won the Big Twelve, and made the Sweet Sixteen. And really, kind of blew it in the Sweet Sixteen into against Michigan State. Yeah. Uh, 2009, 2010 didn't happen. 2010, 2011. And that team was, like, really freaking good, dominant. And obviously we talked about them earlier, how the bracket broke open for them and they, they didn't make it. But they still made the Elite Eight. That team lost by 16 at Kansas State on Valentine's Day, and that was 14th. And that was a K-State team that was that was really that – was, that was when Jacob Poland called a shot. He said, we're not going to the NIT. And they turned around and had a remarkable turnaround. And I think that K-State team wound up as a five seed and lost in the second round. But And that was kind of – one of the biggest wins of that turnaround for K State and Jacob Pullen went off and and yeah it was a great one of the one of the more exciting not just great but fun in terms of style KU teams that I can remember just went and got drubbed in Manhattan 2011-12 didn't happen again uh 2012-13 they lost at Baylor 81 to 58 that's an important one because it's not like they had nothing to gain so going yeah, into that was March 9th that's like a week before the tournament. Going in, that was their last regular season game. Going into that day, KU needed if they if KU beat Baylor, they would have if they needed a win against Baylor or a K State loss to assure themselves of a ninth straight Big Twelve title. The the K State played earlier. K State won or K State lost. Excuse me, K State lost. So going into the Baylor game, KU knew they had won the Big Twelve title at least a share of it. But that game, had they won it, would have gotten them the, the title outright. And instead, they got absolutely <laughs> shelled by Baylor, 81-58. to 58. They got absolutely destroyed by Baylor. And that team got a one seed, made the Sweet 16. Once but again, blew it to yeah, a team from Michigan. Probably should have gone further. 2013-14, uh, 2014-15. Didn't happen either which, year. Which I was shocked me. surprised I was by that. really surprised by that, too. I was shocked by that. I mean, the 13-14, you could convince me because even though that team lost a lot of games, it was like you had so much talent. It makes sense that with a young, talented team, you would lose more games, but they might be closer losses. The 14-15 team, I was shocked. Was very surprising because that was uh, one of the more forgettable self-years. 2015-16, and this was... I will say this. I think I do think that one of those teams had like a... Like a 13 or 14 point loss so they barely missed out on this well obviously we didn't include ncaa tournament games but was the wichita state second round loss that probably 78 65 oh did it end up that close but again yeah 
That game never was, felt close. 13, um, 13 but points. But again, we're not counting tournament close. games. Yeah. Uh, this is for the sake of trying to figure out how if they you have blowout losses. Can you still have successful seasons? 2015-16, um, that, that one really sticks out to me. You lost at Oklahoma State 86-67, to which was not a good Oklahoma State team. That, that was, team still got a one seed, the number one overall seed. That was part of a three game, uh, a five, uh, three losses in five games. One was at West Virginia, where they it wasn't a blowout, but they never put up a real fight. They got destroyed in Stillwater, in which they they looked over the course of the last six minutes that they just gave up, and then um, they lost in Ames after holding the lead uh, in a, in uh, Ames at halftime, and they just fell apart. Mm-hmm. And, Lost that one. Iowa State won that one. It wasn't a blowout, but again, they they won it comfortably. And that was three losses, and then they just never lost another game. I mean, so that's an example of a team. Again, they were the number one overall seed, and they showed, yeah, we got blown out, still made the Elite Eight, and if not for having a tough draw with Villanova, or who knows, if not for the Devontae Graham kind of bad fifth foul, like maybe that team does end up winning even a title. Uh, 2016-17, lost at West Virginia by 16 points. That team, again, was dominant through the first three rounds of the tournament. They got the number two overall one seed. That team was really good. Blowout sometime happened. Um, 2017-18, it happened twice. 80-64 to Baylor. Um, 82-64 at Oklahoma State. And that team made the Final Four. That, eight, that Oklahoma State game was also the last game of the regular season. They lost by 18 in Stillwater and went to the Final Four. And then 2018-19, that team wasn't all that good. They lost by 17 on my birthday at Iowa State. That was fun. Uh, February 23rd, they lost to Texas Tech. That that game was, was I mean, that was a really good Tech team. They, they almost won the title that year. That was the game Texas Tech was making literally every single shot. That was pretty amazing that KU, KU between that year and 2021 has a couple wins that you're like, I can't even believe they beat them at home. Texas Tech and Baylor. Yeah. And then 2019-20, uh, they didn't have any of those blowout losses. Really good team. Last year, it would have been the, there was no tournament, but they would have been the number one overall seed. Yes, last year lost by 19 at Tennessee, lost by 25 at Texas. Um, that team ended up obviously losing in the second round. So it's a, it's a mixed bag of results. You can find it everywhere. You can you know oh, they they had none in 06, 07. They went to the Elite Eight as the number four overall seed. Uh, 08, they had none. They were the number four overall seed there, and of course won the national championship. And then the other two years in which they had back-to-back without any, they were two-seed each year and got bounced in the second round each year. So I really found I found no pattern here. No, that's the thing. And most of these games are on the road, um, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, you do have the Texas game at home last year. Um, if we're looking at the best seasons that are on this list of seasons where you did have a blowout loss, what's the furthest you've made it? Well, you made a Final Four and you made three Elite Eights mm-hmm. among those years. So... I think because it is a mixed bag of results, maybe the best lesson we can take here is that maybe we shouldn't overvalue that one game. I know it was against a really good team, and I know it's a it's a game where you're trying to move closer on the wins list, and I know it's an opportunity to really prove yourself that you're one of the best teams. Going back to our conversation at the beginning, I do think it's enough for me to say, like, I've changed the expectations from maybe thinking this team could be a Final Four team if it all clicks to maybe thinking... Yeah, maybe they can just be a second weekend team and anything on top of that is gravy. But I think this really does show, hey, you can get blown out one game. It doesn't really matter that much in the grand scheme of things. It really doesn't. I mean, maybe it says you're not an all-time great team. Maybe it says this isn't uh, an infallible team. But we already knew those things. 
I'm not going to dwell on this one and make it out to be bigger than what it is. Who said that after the game, Derek? That was Bill Self, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it was. Very much a burn-the-tape game, right? Yeah, and I think there are going to be people who want to say, um, oh, that you know, so he's not even going to try anymore, da 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 That's not what he means. He means this is still... This is, I think he means this is still a, a team that, that I think, you know, can achieve everything it wants to achieve this year. And I think that's the case. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I still am not sitting here going this, you know, thinking that it, it's going to, that I, I don't, my expectations have not changed for this team one bit. Well, hindsight I don't, is. I don't think they're as good as that, that 2016 team that was the number one overall seed. Oh, yeah. I don't, there, there, there may be. They may be as good as the 2020 team, but the rest of the field is so much better. Um, but I, I just, I think that they are, um, you know, I think they're a team that that probably, if, if they played how they can, they're probably winding up with a one or a two seed. Uh, and, and then we'll see. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the best way to put it. Okay. I want to transition, talk a little more with the Chiefs and Bengals. Uh, we discussed a big part of the game, how disappointing it was and everything. Man, those Andy Reid decisions, um, game management, they were a problem. And, and we talked about the idea that, you know, this could come back to haunt them at some point. We even mentioned it in the Bills game. We said they got by this game, but if they would have lost this game, we'd be talking about that decision. And um, the timeout before the chat, like, what are you doing? Like, what what is the reason... And- and that's I wonder with with Patrick Mahomes because he tried to call a timeout and did he if he thought they had a timeout that would explain the decision to throw it to Tyree Kill when he did and he did try to call a timeout after yeah. Tyree Kill got went to the ground so part of me wonders if not only did Andy Reid call a timeout there unnecessarily when he was going to challenge it um, he also I don't know if he told Mahomes now look. That uh, Mahomes is a grown per- he's a grown man. He's a professional football player. It's part of his job to look up at the at the scoreboard and know how many timeouts they have left. So I'm not that's it. That's as much on Mahomes if he didn't realize that there were no timeout. That's as much on him. Um, but that was a I, ha- I mean that's a colossal screw up. Again, call, I mean, like, just challenge the play. It's basically yeah, like using a timeout. It's the same thing, except you get to keep it if you're right, and they were right. Mm-hmm. And so what happens there is, and, and again, like, it's not all on that because if we just diagnose that one specific play, like, there's, there's a lot of fault to Patrick Mahomes there, too. If you, if you just throw it through the end zone, whether it's just or, incomplete yeah, or chuck just it, get it ch- in the ground yeah, chuck of hill, t- Tyreek Hill's right? feet. Or if you have the timeout, if either any of those things happen, you just needed one of those basically three things to happen. You have a second left. It's twenty four, and it's twenty four to 10. ten at halftime. And how much did that end up mattering? Well, the game was twenty four twenty four at the end of regulation. Yeah, and the Chiefs. Um, I mean, you never and, know and how that, things and, play you know, out. And, and yeah, exactly. There's the you know, butterfly effect. Um, but you know, but that they could. I mean, but that was that was a position to 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 lay claim to the Bengals and say. Okay, you left, you know, they shredded the defense. They go, okay, you know, Samaji P. Ryan scored that touchdown off a 40-yard pick and, mm-hmm. or um, pass and catch. Okay, good. Yeah, great. Good for you. We just carved up your defense with a minute left and still got points, you know. And so that that's a huge statement. Um, and then to me, the other thing is, and, and the there were huge mistakes by Mahomes on that final drive too, to scurry around and scurry around. 
and wind up putting Harrison Butker in a position where he had a 40-something yard kick instead of a chip shot to send it to overtime, that was horrific. Yeah. Um, but I also thought the play calling was um, – and, and look, I, I we've used the word turtling up, and a lot of people are, think that you, know, you, you just get conservative and you run it three times and punt. But the thing is, is I, I think the, the Chiefs could have stood to run so much more, especially at that – look, in spite of everything we've said – the Chiefs could have done exactly to the Bengals what the Bengals did to them in Cincinnati, and that is put it away at the goal line. And they didn't. I almost feel like it was a perfect example of like dipping your toe in the pool but not wanting to go all the way. Um, on one hand, like you said with the turtling up, if you're going to choose to say, hey, we're going to run the ball into the ground and just try to bury them that way, because pretty much every first down like in that second half, was at least until the last drive there that they ended up kicking the field goal to tie it. They were running on first down. And a lot of times they were getting four yards a chunk. I actually four, did the math. Four yards a chunk gets you there. So they had seven first down runs in the second half. Totaled 35 yards. That's five yards Five yards to carry. And they only had one of those seven runs, and it was the first and goal from the five that resulted in less than four yards. So it's not like there was a two-yard gain than a 14-yard gain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every run was four yards or more except for that one. So they were gaining yards. So again, if, if that's the option you want to go on and you do want to turtle up and say, hey, and then then, then stick with it because yeah. here's the other number. I did the numbers on, okay, well, that's how many times they ran it on first down. So clearly if you're getting success and you're, you're averaging five yards a carry on your first down runs in the second half, you would think, Hey, let's run it a little bit more on second and third down. Despite the first down success, the Chiefs only went on to attempt three running plays, Adam. Three on second and third down combined the entire second half in overtime. Averaging, and they even were successful. Averaging a second and six. Yes. And guess what? Those three running plays totaled 25 yards. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I, I really, truly, so much had to go wrong. Yeah. And, and if you want to be optimistic, you could say, well, hey, look, that a lot had to go wrong to not send the Chiefs to their third straight Super Bowl. They still have what I believe to be the best quarterback in the NFL coming back. Uh, but then you could also say, yeah, but all those things did happen mm-hmm. with a bunch of people that are going to be coming back. Right. And it's it's just a missed opportunity. And, and going back to what I was saying about dipping your toe in the, in the pool, that's what I'm saying. If you wanted to turtle up and run the ball, just do it. Do it. Do it better because you were accomplishing everything you wanted to running the ball. But if you want to not turtle up, and if you did want to stick with, hey, we're going to pass with Patrick Mahomes, you know when the most efficient time to pass the ball is? It's first, first down. down. Yeah, when they're not so, like, pick it. one of two. That's what I mean with dipping your toe, uh, toe or toe in the pool. Either pick to be aggressive and keep passing with Mahomes and work more on first down, or you should have ran the ball more. And, and that was so infuriating, the decision-making there. And I think that's the theme of the game. You mentioned some of the Patrick Mahomes decisions as well. I mean that was a that was a rough game for him, and especially some of the decisions not throwing the ball or taking a sack here. That second half was was really difficult for him. That's the theme of the game. You're two guys that you come into the game saying there are hey, Andy Reid. We have Patrick Mahomes every week during we our, every week every week during picks. Whenever I'm picking a team, I say better coach, better quarterback, give me that team. And so I don't know what to think about that. Like is is that something that because of that it's a fluke? Or is that a bad sign of what's to come? I say this: if 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 people want us to speak comfort, the the Patriots 
with Belichick and Brady once blew a twenty-one to three lead in the playoffs, um, in in the AFC Championship, no less. So, and look, that was on the road, but they still did it. So, look, that that is worth noting. I think that, yeah, that's just the toughest part of yesterday. It's not necessarily that you lost. When when Josh Allen scored with 13 seconds left in that game, you know, it would have sucked, but there's a difference between just getting beaten a great game I can say this, versus choking a game away, and that's, that's what yesterday felt like with those decisions. None of us coming into, I can guarantee you, assuming I don't get fired between now and then, none of us are going to come into training camp going – you know, lamenting, going, oh, man, that was our last great opportunity. We're going to come into training camp thinking this team could win a Super Bowl again. Every year, though, that you don't with Mahomes, I think it what you were saying earlier, it ramps up the pressure to win another. Yeah, I agree. Until you get number two. Until you get the second. Right? I mean, for so long, Chiefs fans expected the worst. And for a long time, the worst happened, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Having the best record in the decade of the 90s, never making the Super Bowl, including and the Linnelli game. And only making one right? AFC title. The no-punt game, 2003, the 28-point lead in Indianapolis, the no-touchdown game from Pittsburgh that you still lost, and then Patrick Mahomes came along. And, and this somewhere never happened again. along the way, Chiefs fans were slowly reconditioned to expecting good things to happen, to expecting tough moments to still breed positive opportunities, and for positive memories to come from a team riddled with negativity in the hardest time. And yesterday, I think, was the realization that on one hand, it can't happen every single game. Again, even Tom Brady didn't finish off certain games. But for this franchise that has had so many of those bad memories, yesterday not only felt like a huge loss and a huge missed opportunity and a huge shoot-yourself-in-the-foot moment, felt like a little bit of dose of PTSD from the past Chiefs' playoff losses. And that's what made it even tougher. With Adam Dravetta, I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Depend on it.